Today on the Marvel Cinematic Universe podcast, we are talking about Cloak and Dagger season one in its entirety. What we think and what you think. Spoiler alert, we liked it. Welcome to the Marvel Cinematic Universe podcast. My name is Matthew Carroll. And I'm Jeff Randall. Jeff Randall, we watched all of Cloak we and Dagger. We dropped a little bit of the ball. We Well, yeah. There's lots of balls, and we can only hold so many of them. And we we got through four episodes of this, and now we're just jumping to the end of season one because time and uh, like space time wouldn't allow for us to do all the stuff that was coming out this this month. Um, we got a we got a we got a Facebook uh, from Roland Smoker says you guys dropped coverage of Cloak and Dagger. Is it because you didn't like it? I prefer it over Luke Cage personally. Um, I think uh, I don't Luke Cage is so good, but I do. I really love this show. I think I probably prefer it to Luke Cage as well. It's it just knows what it wants to be. It's very clear vision. Um, so no, Roland, we didn't drop it because we don't like it. We just dropped it because we just haven't had time to make it in here. Um, we 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 had it to skip to attached to that ball that we dropped. Yeah, it, this is this is the ball that we dropped. So many balls in the air. This one we had to fall. Um, but we're back. We're going to talk about it today. Uh, we've got a, a number of people sending in feedback, and uh, one person sending in a lot of feedback. So we're going to talk about uh, every as much as we can about all the episodes. But f- first, what's your general uh, thoughts on the series, Jeff? Man, this series was so freaking good. It was it was not a superhero story, uh, which we've talked about. Yeah, it was just a coming of age story of two kids who just happened to also have superpowers that they didn't like. They didn't montage away into knowing how to use them. They just kind of happened upon them a lot. And we see, like, slowly they discover how to kind of control it. Um, and, you know, we saw in the last episode we, where uh, Tyrone had this thought in his head that, like, this is the only way I can control it. And that, you know, I lost the cloak, so... I can't control it anymore. Like we have that build up and tear down of characters and, and we see them, you know, making decisions of like, this is the thing that I have to do. And, you know, it's, it's real decisions from real people. And all of it just felt so real world with, you know, the added, like the addition with the addition of superpowers and Roxxon being a shitty corporation, which, you know, anybody could be put in for that, but like supernatural things also were in there. So like, it was, it was that, you know, slight tinge on our world to where it's like, that could happen out there. Like that could, that could be happening in new Orleans. Yeah. And I just absolutely love the series for it. Yeah. It, it does feel more grounded than most. Uh, of these series, but I guess the biggest thing that I loved about it was how well it balanced an overarching story while making me feel like every time I sat down, I got a full episode. Yeah. Um, so not just another chapter. Well, there's another chapter in the same story, but it was also like every chapter meant something to itself. Yeah. And, and that's important and, and kind of a lost art on television to have a really good arc like a lot of shows are just one or the other, and this show rebalanced it really well. They had a really good overarching plot that built throughout the season, but every episode felt like a rise and fall. 
uh, without without the need of a villain of the week. Like it's not this is this Arrow does that where it has an overarching plot, but it um, every episode has a, has a, has its own thing. But they do that by just inserting villains. Like every week, oh, we got to face this guy, and now this guy, and now this guy. Um, this kept the focus on the main story while having our heroes go through something that really gave every episode an emotional closure. Um, and, and I loved that. I really, really loved that. I think it was so well balanced in that regard. Yep. Yep. And then like all of the, all of the emotion, like it was okay. It was good writing and, you know, fantastic directing other than like the camera work, which we've complained about. Yes. Um, it was great writing and great directing, but there was amazing acting in there as well that like really sold the emotional elements of the show to where, you know, the parts that were supposed to hit hard actually did hit hard and, and like really crippled you. Like I, I lost breath when I saw that cop in the fridge. Yeah, me too. Me too. Um, and I'm never going to get that breath back. I think my only complaint, and this is big spoiler, uh, for for the very last episode, my only sort of complaint, and I, it's very loose. It's not not a big complaint. The the last few scenes felt a little rushed. Like I didn't fully understand what was going on. I kind of wish. Um, I like they they've kept their powers very mysterious so far, and I like that. As long as they they do have an answer coming eventually, does that make yeah. sense? Um, yeah. One thing we've talked about with Vision, and particularly with Scarlet Witch, and sometimes with Doctor Strange, it's like their powers are so ill-defined that they're it's it's hard to really give the any any kind of fight weight because um, they're so ill-defined. And I, I kind yeah. of felt that way in that last fight scene, or well, it wasn't even a fight scene when they go down and try to stop the thing. It was just kind of like we're going to hold hands now. I kind of wish we'd gotten a little more behind like why that might work, what's happening there, like what happens when they touch each other. It just it just all kind of like, um, it, it just kind of wrapped itself up really easily and in like a nice bow. And I kind of yeah. wish that they had like laid the groundwork to make that feel earned. Um, but other than that, the show really, re- and even that, like those last few moments, even though they felt a little rushed, like I really liked them. <laughs> I love the fact that they're like laying in the same position they were at the beginning. I loved that she gave him uh, the the hoodie from his childhood. Ja- oh yeah, God, <sighs> that was so good. Oh, and it was, and it wasn't until okay. So should we? Sorry, should we lay down some spoiler alerts? I did. Because I did just a really moment ago. Okay. Yes, spoiler alert. Spoiler alert. Okay, full spoiler. So in okay in this episode, in the last episode, she gives him the hoodie back and. He says, you know, now I can control it with this. Or he shows, now I can control it with this hoodie. It's not until that hoodie goes on, which was his brother's jacket, that, that he, you know, the the whole thing happened in. The whole event that gave them their powers, he was wearing that when that happened. It wasn't until that moment when he was, like, face-to-face with Connors that this extra power showed up of like unleashing the shadows and oh, yeah. engulfing him and swallowing him inside the cloak. Like 
we know that that's very likely like dark force dimension or dark dimension or whatever, like where that dark force energy yeah. came from that was in Agent Carter season two. But like that power just kind of showed up out of nowhere. And I'm like, is his brother's soul in there? Like reaching out, wanting to grab this guy and bring him down with him. Ooh. Like, did that happen? That's dark and interesting, but no, yeah, I yeah. Think it's just the dark force. And that, uh, it was, it was super cool. And he doesn't seem to understand what happened. And because of that, he can't like, he can't take Connors in because Connors is just not around anymore. Like he can't take Connors in and clear his name. He's just got to be on the run. Ooh, that's a good point. I forgot that he, I forgot that the last, the last we know he was like, uh, you know, he was moving on, into on the, the cathedral. Run. That's right. That's right. And switch places. Yeah. That, and I love that. I love that we got to, I think, sort of more the classic story of, I think in the in the, in the the comic book, he's more on the run and she had a family and then they run off together yeah. or whatever. He um, was living on the streets and she ran away from home. Yeah. And, and that's, and, and, and now they've switched back to, I guess, the beginning of where the comic starts, sort of. Um, and I think that's interesting. And that's kind of what we got with the Runaways as well. The first season, like it ended about where the comic started. Um, I mean, it did take them a few. It 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 ended a few comics in because the it first was book, still the very first very early. Yeah, yeah, yeah. No, they definitely didn't make it through the first like run of comics, and I I thought they were going to, and then they didn't, and now I'm I'm left still trying not to spoil major portions <laughs> of Runaways. <laughs> Um, yep. I yep. thought I thought for sure I could finally talk to my girlfriend about the major twists that were coming, and uh, nope, can't do it. Can't do it. Nope. Nope. Don't even. Don't do it. Don't you do it? She'll be mad at you. Mm-hmm. I know, Alyssa. She would bring you down a peg. <laughs> she really hates spoilers, and that's super cute. Um, <laughs> like <laughs> it is. I, I hate spoilers so much, and so. Right. Like, it's funny because she grew up not really watching TV or caring, and now the last few years I've, like, introduced her to a lot of things and a lot of mo- movies and TV, and I hate spoilers, so I think she's she's just right there with me. <laughs> like, she's we're, we're, we're joined together in the fight against spoilers. <laughs> it's adorable. <laughs> Other things that happened that are that are great. The, we got the setup for Mayhem. Oh, see, I don't I didn't know who she was in the comics, but I guess that's who that is. Yeah, yeah, that's uh, Bridget O'Reilly was originally in the comic. She was a, just a random detective that helped them. Uh, she, you know, knew that they were attacking criminals in her district or her area, her precinct, whatever. Um, and at first, she wanted to bring them in, but then she was like, "No, I'm going to help these kids." So she's helping them, and then eventually, she got attacked along with a bunch of other officers by like with gas. So. Cloak and Dagger jump in to try to save her. Cloak envelops her in his darkness while Tandy is trying to use her light to try to save him. Or, sorry, save her. Um, and they think that they can't. Or they, they, they think that she's, you know, lost. So they move on and attack the uh, the bad people and, you know, fight for justice, etc. But she survives. And she becomes mayhem. And, like, she kind of mutates. And okay. she gets, like really sharp claws and can like push out this, this poison gas that makes people see fear. Cool. And like has really weird ability to fly (laughs) at the same time. Interesting. Yeah. But so 
uh, so in the comics, uh, I guess spoiler alert, uh, if you don't want to know any more comic stuff, but uh, is she a villain? No, she becomes a vigilante. Okay. She's a Punisher-style vigilante of like, I'm going to kill this person. Like, this guy is doing bad. I'm going to kill them. Okay. I wonder if they will portray her as a villain. The reason I ask is because in, like, episode six, they were talking about, like, what makes a hero or something like that. The the voodoo woman, the, the girl's mother who's into voodoo. Auntie. Was, was, oh, is there auntie? Okay. Yeah. Um, they were, she was talking about like what makes a hero and like talk and they were, they were going through these, like all these things and talking about what makes a hero throughout the episode, all these voiceovers. And then, uh, she, she says at one point, or maybe you make a decision in it and, 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 and maybe it's not, maybe you're not, maybe it's not the story of becoming a hero at all. It's the story of becoming a villain. She says something yep. like that. And when she says that. It shows a pic. It shows it shows the cop. Yeah, it it like switches the the scene straight to focusing on her. Yeah, and I, if I recall, was that when she was at the bar morning? I'm not sure. That was the that was the episode where she finds her friend dead, her boyfriend yeah. dead. Um, and 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 there. Oh yeah, it was that origin story. Is what they're talking. Maybe it's origin story for a villain or something like that. And. And then it showed her, and I don't remember what she was doing at that moment, but uh, it made me think, is that foreshadowing? Is that, are they going to make her a villain? And then at the end of the season, when she climbed out of the swamp, first I yelled swamp thing, uh, and, then, <laughs> uh, <laughs> and then I was like, ooh, uh, so maybe she is a villain now, but I don't know. We'll see. I guess we'll see how they portray her. Yeah. I, I think that they're going to do a sort of... Uh, you know, Daredevil versus Punisher kind of thing, where she's being a vigilante and they're saying, like, no, this is not how you should be. Like, you were better than this. As much as I enjoyed that on Daredevil and Punisher, I kind of don't... You don't want to see a rehash. I don't need it again. Yeah, like, one of the things they've done a good job of so far in the Marvel Universe is they avoid the whole, like... Uh, they avoid a lot of the superhero cliches. And um, that one is kind of becoming a superhero cliche. Not that it's not an interesting question, but we've kind of got people that can already answer it for us, you know, <laughs> like, or yeah. have that have that discussion. And I don't really need another series that's about that. This series had a lot of depth and themes all its own, and, I, and I'd like them to keep pushing in those directions, you know. Honestly, I would like to see her turn one of them, like one of the uh, the two. Huh. Like, if uh, if Dagger, you know, if uh, if Tandy were to turn to killing people, because if you remember, like she fought against the random assassin lady, but didn't kill her. She just slashed her on the leg, and then the assassin lady ran away. And then at no point when they weren't in the guy's mind did she kill anybody with her daggers, and she so easily could have. If uh, yeah. if she gets taken down that path. By mayhem, I, I like. I'd like to see how that turns out. And having Cloak trying to bring them both back, and like, you're both better than this. You both have the capacity to kill, but you also have the capacity to be such great heroes. Yeah. Hmm. Yeah. She was kind of liberally throwing those daggers toward the end, and those were just a bunch of innocent people. <laughs> and I was kind of <laughs> like, eee, I don't know if that's good thing to, to do. <laughs> nah, it's like, okay. They're mindless zombies. <laughs> No, 
they they very clearly did, they didn't even make them look that zombie like they made them they just looked like people and she was just like throwing daggers left and right shoulder they shoulder like they yeah, had a shoulder. really bad fever yeah <laughs> crazy so uh, <laughs> you want to dig into some feedback see what everybody else yeah. is talking about I know we've got a lot of feedback um, and we're gonna get through as much as we can and this will kind of uh, we'll kind of be taking it episode by episode because that's how a lot of the feedback is organized. So let's uh, let's go. All right. Uh, let's see. We're going early season. Jeffrey James said to us on Facebook, spoilers, Cloak and Dagger, season one, episode one through four. One through four. Number one, minor plot glitch, bad writing in episode three. Cop hands card to mom. Mom goes to find girl. Girl has escaped out window. Several scenes later, girl has card. Oops. Number two, beyond that, the show is beginning to feel disjointed. It wasn't always clear where in time, where in the timeline Cloak and Dagger are having their church chat. There needed to be a better signaling of what's happening when. Like, noticeably different outfits. Even the dream sequences seem a bit disjointed. I, I will say that they did get a little bit better about that. Um, as the show went on, they started to do it more and more, and it just kind of became clear from the context. Like, when things were happening timeline-wise... It was more like um, uh, the train episode in Agents of S.H.I.E.L.D. season one. How they were kind of doing the disjointed timeline of like, you know, telling everybody's story in a different way of the same events. Yeah. Yeah. I, I, there are definitely times I was a little disjointed on this show, but for the most part, I felt pretty, pretty grounded knowing where I was. But yeah. Yeah. Uh, <clears throat> sorry, Jeffrey James continues. Number three, Olivia Holt doesn't have the acting chops to pull off suicidal. She pulls off teenage angst okay, but that's about it. Number four, Tandy has so far stolen thousands of dollars from her boyfriend, and now thousands of dollars from a newlywed couple and their family, and wrecked a very expensive rental car, presumably insured, but still. It's very hard for me to think of her as a victim. I think she's easily the least likable Marvel quote-unquote hero of all time. Uh, Marvel is usually good at making even its villains sympathetic in some way. I can't help but think that this characterization is partly due to Holt's limited acting range. Hmm. Five, Disney needs to stop casting ex-Disney TV stars in Marvel properties. They're selected from the TV shows due to their looks and then trained to mug and crack jokes. I honestly think they could have cast a random goth teen off of the street and gotten better results. Six, other than that, I'm enjoying the show. <laughs> wow. So Jeffrey James throwing a lot of shade at Olivia Holt. Um, I didn't... I'm, I'm kind of notorious for not noticing bad acting, but uh, unless it's really bad. And I didn't think this was the worst. Uh, I, I thought Olivia Holt did fine. I didn't, it didn't bother me. Did it bother you? No, it didn't really bother me. I, there were some points where I'm just like... I'm, I'm kind of looking at her like, come on, give us... Give us a different emotion, please. Show me a different emotion. Uh, um, yeah, I, I, I can kind of see that. Really she doesn't want to ever change. Yeah, she does sort of stick to that. I, I get that. But that's that's really about it. That's the only um, the gripes I had with her is that her face didn't want to change, and her emotional range didn't really ever change. But that could have also been writing. Yeah, yeah, I'm, I'm writing not sure. and directing. Yeah. Uh, let's see. What do we got? What else we got? We got, oh, we got, we got 084. It says Cloak and Dagger 1.5. Holy crap, I love this show. It's a good start. It's a good start. Uh, I liked the fleshing out of O'Reilly this episode. 
She's got her slight vices like everyone else, and really, who among us wouldn't want to try hooking up in the back of the squad car? Just me? Okay, fine. <laughs> it was great that her conversation with Connor centered around you see undercover cops doing drugs in order to build trust with their suspects, which hung a huge lampshade on what she was actually doing there. And she's worked in Harlem. Did she know Misty Knight? Do I ship it? Find out next week on Cloak and Dagger. Yeah, I, uh, uh, he's got more to say, but I, yeah, we did find that. I don't know if we ever talked about it on the show, but there was an actual discussion of Misty Knight on Cloak and Dagger, which was awesome. Yeah, yeah. Uh, also, Oh, four says Tandy going through the party, finding out all the weird hopes of the white collar douchebags was pretty entertaining and humorous and heavily contrasted to Tyrone's journey through his opponent's fears in the last te- 10 seconds of the game. Uh, at first I thought they would distract him and make him miss the shot, but I like what it says about his character that he missed it on purpose. Uh, both due to the ref and seeing the potential ramifications of a loss for the other players. Mm. Oh, and Dwayne totally paid the ref to make those calls, right? I wouldn't be surprised to see him actually cut the guy's finger off next episode. <laughs> uh, let's see. <clears throat> My first thought about the CEO guy's hopes was that he was just cleaning up the gulf of trash and whatnot. But wow, that took a dark turn. <laughs> it was refreshing that we got to see the hopes of evil people in this episode. I also like that Tandy has gotten a full hold on her powers while Tyrone is still working on it. If they both get the hang of it at the same time, I'd call it lazy writing, even if they are connected. Oh, another thing I liked is the writers not forgetting that connection. Of course, Tandy going gung-ho with touching all these people would affect Tyrone. It's an interesting piece, and I'm looking forward to seeing how else they play with that going forward. Halfway through. That's hard to believe. I have to imagine the critical success gives it a wave to ride to a season two, uh, but I wonder if it'll still be a summer show next year and run concurrent with S.H.I.E.L.D., or if Freeform decides to give it more of a spotlight and put it elsewhere in the year, and if they give us more episodes then. Hope you're both doing well and enjoying this as much as I am. Yeah. Yes. I think I think we were. Yeah, yeah. Um, Those are all great points. <laughs> so yes. I'm glad 084 wrote in so much because uh, he's kind of covering our episode by episode, giving us like things to talk about in each episode. Which is pretty sweet. Yeah, we should just split this up with me reading it and us discussing it and just be like, oh, yeah, see, we did. We just forgot to post it. We did all the episodes, yeah. <laughs> <laughs> well, what does he say about 1.6? This is, or no, 1.7. <coughs> Excuse me. Um, let's see. He says, episode six was great. I was just too busy to find the time to send feedback on that in case you were going crazy waiting for that, which I'm sure you were. <laughs> I thought the theme of Funhouse Mirrors and the characters not only dealing with distorted versions of themselves, but going undercover as other distorted versions of themselves was clever writing. And Mina is a very intriguing character. She can stay. <laughs> I do think Ivan and Nathan were a previous divine pairing of New Orleans, but I don't think they would have had powers like Tyrone and Tandy. Uh, they protected the city with their knowledge, while our protagonists seemed destined to protect it with their newfound abilities. With that out of the way, on to episode 7. And wow, I'm pumped, all caps. And here's all the reasons why. Cloak and Dagger. In action. Together. At last. I can die happy now. Hmm. (laughs) It was so great and so satisfying to get that scene. While I feel the previous six episodes of build-up helped to create this satisfaction, I'm a little sad we only have three left. I'm sure it's going to be a hell of a ride for those three episodes, though. I'm glad they were able to get Ivan out of that catatonic state, although there was music in the hospital hallway that made it sound like a flatlining heart rate monitor and troubled me for a second. I doubt their job helping him is over, though. 
Something tells me the only thing keeping Roxxon from cutting that loose thread was his catatonic state. Uh, now that he's back to consciousness, I'd be very wary of any water cooler delivery people, just saying. <laughs> I know bottle episodes get a bad rap for just being an attempt to save budget, but with this and self-control on Marvel TV's resume, I think it's clear they know how to do them well and deliver intriguing storylines in a contained space. Uh, Tandy's arc was heartbreaking. Who's to say we wouldn't have done the same as her? To lose your parent and then lose everything else from that point on, and then to have the opportunity to talk to them over and over again, even in manufactured fashion like that, I think a lot of us would have fallen into that trap. And Ty trying his hardest to fight zombie workers and turn those valves on his own, while Tandy gives into temptation again and again, made it all the more troubling, even if he was a badass in that scene. So was Tandy's request for Ty to play the recording of his brother again related to her insistence on answering her dad's call over and over? I wonder how many times she asked him to play it after the episode was done. Last thought to end my ramblings is, I hope the time in Ivan's head and their abilities improving so much transfers into real life. Tyrone did say his teleporting was a lot easier there, but after they gave us a taste of the two of them at full strength kicking all of the ass... I'd feel cheated if Tyrone went back to not being able to control his power, or if Ty uh, Tandy couldn't throw her knives anymore. That's it. Hope you're having a blast in Alaska, Matt. And Jeff, I hope things are going awesome with you, too. They were. They were. And they were. Still this, are. Thanks. Uh, I'm glad this uh, you remember us. This is my, my favorite episode, I think, of the series. Oh, the, the contained episode in, yeah. uh, in Ivan's head? Yeah. O84 makes a great point with uh, the fact that you can tell a great story contained like that and i love a good bottle episode it's it, there's some some great episodes of television that are done that way um and this was um this was really really good and it, it just it, speaking of star trek again it reminded me a lot of star trek like there's a lot of those sort of time loop episodes in star trek um yeah. there's some good classic ones um and I, and I just it just felt like a great sci-fi story I thought that was really cool it reminds me of an episode of the show that um, my my wife had me watch called The Librarians. Yeah. Where they get stuck in basically a video game in an area. Okay. And like the guy who is a huge video game player um, has basically run through the scenario over and over again trying to save everybody. And... Like he always gets told this this one great story by the CIA agent, and she's like, at one point, she's like, "You've heard me tell that story before, haven't you?" And he's like, "Yeah, three hundred and eighty-four times." Mm. And she's like, "Why'd you let me tell it?" And he's just like, "I just love the look in your eyes that you give me every time." Mm -hmm. And like, it reminds me of that because he was going through the same thing over and over again, the exact same way every time, you know, making those small changes and everything. But, like, that that had such an emotional element to it, and this did, too. And it just it, it takes me back to that, like, that great episode of that great show, and I was, I'm feeling those feelings again. That's awesome. And then, uh, what was it, Edge of Tomorrow was the same yeah. way. No, yeah, it's, it's, it's the whole... Uh... Groundhog Day thing, like it's just it's it's yeah. really it's really fun. It's just a fun mechanic for a movie to have, and uh, it was cool. And and on top of that, you had the sort of just dreamlike quality of the way her father had forgotten who he was, and it was it was it was so sad um, to have him stuck there. Uh, 
for all that time going through this horrible thing over and over and over, and it was all just normal to him. It was it was so sad, uh, and it, it made me it endeared me to that character already before we even ever actually met him in the real world. <laughs> yeah, like I, when IRL. he comes in in the next next episode, when he comes in awake, uh, and I love the fact that he woke up. It it gave that episode sort of a purpose and like. It w- he was kind of the first people that Cloak and Dagger helped. The first person yeah. that Cloak and Dagger really helped. And I just I thought that was awesome. They, they helped with their mind powers. Yeah, yeah. And um, they like they helped him, and then he didn't go away. And his family didn't go away. Like They, they became a, a major part of their lives for the rest of the season. Yeah. I, just, I, I really like that. Yeah, me too. Uh, so let's go to the next one. Uh, spoilers for Cloak and Dagger 1.8. Where to start with this episode? Pour one out for Fuchs. I spent the whole episode trying to figure out if he was going to be a good guy or a traitor, but in the end, I can't deny how cold-blooded the guy was. Cute crickets. Uh-uh. <sighs> <laughs> While I sit in the corner and think about what I've done, here's my actual thoughts. <laughs> this was a great ride, start to finish. Our two super babies are all grown up and terrorizing the old men that, who ruined their lives, and I'm here for it. There's a couple of logistical questions I had uh, about each of their arcs, like whether or not Tyrone was caught on video disappearing and reappearing, and if he has to sign the Sokovia Accords now. Although, if online theories I agree with are correct, this should take place right before Civil War. Also, I don't know what's stopping Scarborough from sending cops or water delivery ladies to Tandy's house. She held a knife to his throat and threatened him, so is it guilt keeping him at bay and, or something more? Ivan is still on death watch for me. Again, I don't see how Roxanne has been built up as this corrupt, ruthless corporation and then have them leave loose threads all over. Don't get me wrong, it's fun when our heroes get stupid bad guys, but hey, if I was an evil corporation, I'd do things differently. That's all I'm saying. <laughs> Um, I think this episode is the one where um, where O'Reilly said I'm going to have to introduce him to my friend Misty because the next uh, next bullet point is the Misty name drop is huge. I don't usually watch the next time on clips, but I hear I hear Stark and Rand get name dropped in the same sentence. That's so gratifying. Yeah, it was. And look, characters from other properties and studios get mentioned, and the whole universe didn't fall apart. <laughs> For all the things the show has given us, that's got to be up there. Just enough continuity to give us faith that it's really all connected is all we want. <coughs> I, I, I don't want to rain on the parade, but the idea is they always do it this way. They always do the TV shows mentioning the movies. I want to see the movies mention the TV shows. Yeah. Give us a little bit of something. Just something. It can be as easy as like when Sitwell is on the rooftop and he mentions Stephen Strange. He like starts to name random things, you know? Yeah, uh, it could be as easy as that. Like, just have have that have somebody do something like that. Mention a few heroes that are out there in the world working, and you're like, yeah, some a bulletproof man in Harlem or something, you know, something, whatever, you know, have somebody say something, and that's all we need, and we'd we'd feel much better about the whole connectivity thing. You know, I want to see a uh, like an Avengers four at the end of it. I want to see a like a mighty Avengers initiative where in the, to put some context on it, Matt, in the mighty Avengers, um, I guess after expand their ranks, it was after the civil war time frame. Uh, 
Captain Marvel and Tony got together. Well, she was still Miss Marvel at the time. Anyway, Carol Danvers and, and Tony got together and were basically able to choose who they wanted on the Avengers rather than it just being a team that was thrown together by whatever happenstance was going on. They chose what members of the team they wanted. So I want there to be like a big map that shows up with like everybody that's signed and everybody that they know of. And I want there to just be like little dots in, you know, New Orleans. And yeah, you know, that would really I want go- them to just mention Luke Cage. It would really go a long way. And then like it, it, four or five movies ago, we had a, uh, before Wakanda was even sure they were going to do it or whatever, or we were sure they were going to do it. They had like a map with a little dot in Wakanda, you know? Yep. A dot in the center of Africa. And it's like, yeah, that 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 kind of stuff, tie, those kind of little tie-ins matter to people that are watching closely. Yep, yep. Uh, continuing what 084 was talking about, when Ty and Tandy touched her mom's hands uh, and they went into her mind on accident, I had zero idea what they were in for. But it wasn't that. That was a little tough to watch. And also a pretty good portrait of how kids view deceased parents. Uh, think of Jessica Jones in season two listening... Uh, to how her parents' marriage wasn't as happy as she remembered. Uh, tried to make that as non-spoiler as possible. I think her turn at the end was a little quick, and I'm sure it's something her and Tyrone are going to argue about next week. Uh, that plus her taking his mom's ID. I wonder if Scarborough can trace that back to her and get her fired, because, yeah, that could drive a big wedge between the heroes. The ID theft was definitely this week's Damn It Tandy moment. <laughs> All right, that's it, I think. I'm really interested to hear what you guys think about the James Gunn fiasco this week. It's such a great situation with the moral responsibility of humor and the possible intentions of the people who made these tweets viral. Uh, If it really was a politically motivated smear attack, uh, then it's a little scary how efficient a weapon something like Twitter has become. But that's a bigger issue than the MCU. So I'll stick to the escapism on this podcast. Have a great week, you guys. (laughs) Well... I hope you heard last week's podcast, because we definitely got into it. Not to mention <laughs> yesterday's podcast. Uh, <laughs> Where we definitely got into it again. Yeah. I'm I'm going to rant about it every time I... Uh, he's right, though. 084 is right. It is, more of a, it is, it is a complicated issue uh, with a lot of... Um, <laughs> I told... Uh, did, you, did you hear... Oh, guys, if you haven't heard it, um, I meant to mention it on last week's cast, but I don't think I did. Superhero ethics. Remember a couple weeks ago we were we did our uh, throwdowns yeah, yeah. that we want to see? And we mentioned uh, Punisher, or one of mine was Punisher and Kingpin. Uh, and we talked about how uh, it would be interesting because they basically are the same opposite side of the coin of Matt Murdock. And like, what is the real difference between the two of them? Yeah, yeah. Uh, well, superhero ethics. A couple days later, did as a as a uh, you know they did what we asked and they did an entire episode on it. That's amazing. It was great. It was it was the best. Uh, I think we mentioned on the cast like that sounds like a a job for superhero ethics and they did it. They like they on, on the <laughs> show like, they were I'll like I'll take the case. They like MCU cast uh, mentioned this and they talked about this and we're gonna do it and so they did a full like almost like. You know, let us like commission an episode over there, <laughs> and I wrote him. I was like, "That was amazing." Um, I know it's not what you do, but we now we need to hear you talk about this James Gunn thing. <laughs> I know it's not exactly what they do because they deal with the fictional uh, moral questions more. But uh, yeah, so that episode is super rad. It's just like two or three episodes ago. If you haven't heard Superhero Ethics podcast, check them out, um, and they do an entire episode on. 
Punisher versus Kingpin and what kind of moral questions that represents. And super, it's super good, super thorough. I liked it. Hmm. I'm going to have to go to listen to that because I saw that they posted it and I was like, oh, hey, yeah, cool. Thanks, guys. I'll uh, try to find the time to listen to that. You're a podcast maker, but you're not really a podcast listener like me. Uh, I am. I don't consume a lot of them, but the ones that I do actually like listening to the people, I'll... I'll listen to like constantly. Yeah. Um or like, you know, I'll binge them. And uh that's one that I've 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 put a pin in it as like when I'm not quite so busy, I'll right. go back and listen to these. Yeah. And like I've got an hour commute uh you know from from home to work every day, so like that hour commute right now is dedicated to learning Italian. Neat. Yeah, I figured, you know, if I'm going to be driving an hour both directions, then I'm going to learn something, damn it. Yeah, I've been trying to do a lot more audiobooks. As much as I think that podcasts, I do learn things uh, from podcasts, but they're more just entertainment. I, I follow the news a lot and stuff, but these days the news is so uh, dire that it's like hard to do. <laughs> yeah. I just can't do So I've been doing a lot more audiobooks and trying to do some like some that are on topics of kind of like Learn that I want to learn about, not just entertainment. <laughs> yep, yep, yep. I did just buy um, a couple of Star Trek audiobooks, though. I'm really excited about Star Trek, you guys. <laughs> I mentioned I it on tell. yesterday's podcast, but I'm really excited about Star Trek right now. I can tell, man. I can tell. Uh, let's see. Let's wrap this up. Uh, oh, wait, for uh, well, I don't want to say finish because he hasn't written on about 1.10 yet, but he said Cloak and Dagger 1.9. <clears throat> I had toyed with the idea of sending a voicemail of me screaming for 10 minutes, but I decided on written feedback instead. <laughs> Jerry's still out on which method would convey my thoughts better. He said, wow, that last 10 minutes. It was a shockingly quick turnaround for me being on my knees, praising the writers for the scene between Tyrone and his mom, to me throwing my fists up in the air, cursing the writers for that cliffhanger. I originally laughed at the logistical ridiculousness of the theory going around that Kingpin is behind this all. However, pinning the murder of one of your problems on your other problem is classic Fisk. So, hey, at least it makes sense. I hope Water Woman gets a light dagger thrown at her face. Too violent? Oh, well. Uh, going back to the penultimate scene in Tyrant's kitchen where an invisible person in my room was chopping invisible onions. <clears throat> wow, that was <laughs> moving. I had no idea who was who was more right in that conversation. It circled back nicely to their talk in episode one and really made you rethink the idea of selfless heroics. Tyrone is willing to put his life on the line for what he believes in, but he hasn't really given much thought to who else has a stake in his well-being. He's basically Alexander in act one of Hamilton, but without the ability to rap. <laughs> <laughs> And his mother's fear is so understandable and relatable, but how many principles is she willing to let go of in order to keep from losing more of her loved ones? So many thoughts about Tandy's new vice. So she takes hopes? That's dark. Can Tyrone take away fear? That sounds like a switch from their comic powers, which is interesting. She's always trading one drug for another, whether it's physically snorting stuff or living a fake talk with her dad over and over, or this newfound ability to take a person's hope for just a momentary high. This is obviously the worst version of a drug because it directly involves harming others, and I hope she doesn't take that addiction with her into season two. Speaking of season two, nice how they telegraphed O'Reilly's fate by cutting to her right as Delgado is talking about the birth of a villain or something like that. 
Is the backbreaker stick a weapon of mayhem in the comics? If so, it was a nice touch. And if not, it was still nice to see Connors get hit with it, even if I wish it lived up to its name. (laughs) How dirty were all those cops if absolutely zero of them stepped in to stop Connors from beating on O'Reilly like that? I mean, self-defense only gives you so much legal right to harm someone. I imagine once they're down, you can't just keep kicking them. Even before the altercation, the fact that they welcomed him back after the man who helped arrest him ended up brutally murdered was just shady. Shame on you, New Orleans Police Department. Oh, that, I was like, I, I wanted to, to kind of shrink that into NOPD, but then it was like, no PD, and it's like, yeah, there was no PD there. Yeah. I really uh, enjoyed, um, and this is not in 1.9 that I was talking about, in, in 1.10, uh, when um, when he's in the cage and he he tries to convince I, I I got teary eyed when he was trying to convince the cop to uh, to be a good man. Oh yeah, that like, was. I've got a family. Yeah, and I know that you've got a family. I'm too. from here. You're from here. We're the same. Do your job. Protect us. You know. And he was about to do it too, and then he got he swore an oath. Yeah, I, I really loved all of that a lot. And and that New Orleans, the, the New Orleans Police Department in this show is so corrupt, <laughs> it's insane. You know, I bet if uh, if we have any uh, New Orleans listeners, that they would probably say that that's not that far from reality. No, I don't know about that. <clears throat> Nola's not uh, not the best as far as perception. Anyway, yeah, I don't know if that's, uh, I don't know if that's accurate. That's liable, uh, my friend. Yeah, sorry, sorry. I don't mean to. I mean to just throw out random things like that. Mm-hmm. Uh, let's see, 0A4 continues saying, "Let's see what else." Oh, Evita, that was a pleasant surprise. Her being the first person to not only acknowledge their presence in the Soul Swamp, but actually stopping Tandy. I have no idea what they're planning with her, but I'm intrigued. Season two already seems pretty full with antagonists, but if they MCU Mr. Jip onto Mrs. Jip, that might be an interesting dynamic. I actually, I don't know who that is. Yeah, I don't know Mr. Jip. I, I liked, I really thought the same thing, though, of her, is that she'd make a killer villain. Yeah, you know, we, we me, me and 084 both mentioned that villain line lining up with the cop. But as soon as it said the villain line, it moved on to her. And so I was thinking one of them is going to become a villain. Like, it seemed like it was pointing at one of them, and maybe it meant both of them. I remember thinking that in that scene. I was like, oh, which one of them is the villain? <laughs> Maybe both. And, and especially at the, especially when it said this might be the origin story for a villain. And then at the end of the episode, uh, you have uh, his girlfriend like storming off and ha- like hating Tandy. I was like, uh oh. <laughs> Whoa. We're going to get us a voodoo girl <laughs> who's going to come after him. Yep. Yep. Uh, and then the last thing he says, do I have. Or do I have much to say about Father Delgado? Not really. Sad that his daughter or some girl was killed, supposedly by his own drunk driving incident. Sadder that we know he's still drinking. Or was that accident something he fears is going to happen, rather than a bad memory? We saw Connor's fear to be pretty much just the memory of shooting Billy, but most others see a possible future in the swamp, not the past. They probably won't touch it touch on it in the last episode but i hope they give us more on him next year okay sorry guys that was all can't wait to see how this wraps up 
Hmm. Yeah, that's interesting that most of the things are future things and Connors has his pat his, his fear is something that's already happened. What do you think about that? I mean Connors' fear has is the past and I think it's mostly just that he fears people knowing about it, but then like when he touched his mom his mom's fear was losing both her children. And it was like she was shopping, you know, she was in a shopping. Right. Uh, in a, uh, yeah. I, th- I think the fears can be previous or, or, or past or future, but they just are fears. The, the things. Yeah. And I see, but with Connors, it's such a weird thing that they made that his greatest fear. I feel like it should have been him getting busted or, uh, but they, they wanted to make him a complex character. And so they gave him fearing that night because I think he like legitimately regrets it, even though he's gone so far, he's gone so far for so long in the wrong direction that he just never, he never does turn around in the series until he's yeah been relegated to the swamp or whatever. <laughs> Is that what they call it in yeah. the books? The swamp? I don't know. I don't actually, oh eight four has been saying that, and that's cool. Uh, okay. Cool, man. Well, that's that's all the feedback. Anything else you want to talk about about this uh, this here show? Uh, not really. I'm just sad it's over already. Um, I am too, but man, it was a good 10 episodes. It was a really good 10 episodes. I might go watch it again, to be honest. Mm, I, I wouldn't blame you. It's that, yeah. It is that good. It's uh, it's got me more interested in their comics. Like I had, you know, read a little bit about them. Um, you know, I knew about them from other uh, media that I had interacted with Marvel through, like um, a lot of video games and stuff. Like I, I knew of them, but I'd never like read deeply into their comics, and right. I just kind of come across them in in other comics as well. Uh, but like, I really want to go back and read their stuff now. It's like, that was really, really good series. Yeah, it really was. I dug it a lot. I dug it a lot. Well, guys, we are the Marvel Cinematic Universe Podcast. Hit us up at mcucast.com, at mcucast on Twitter, facebook.com slash mcucast, or mcucast at gmail.com. Or you can call us at 573-CAST-MCU. Um... Find us at all those places. And if you like to support the show, go to patreon.com slash mcucast. Um, and if you want to know more about what I do, I make music. And it's at all everywhere you can get music online. I have a new album out. It's called Matthew Carroll Left to Burn. Uh, it's called Left to Burn. My name's Matthew Carroll. Uh, it's all over the Spotify, Apple Music. Go check it out. It would really be a huge thing for me if, uh, you know, if you like it, share it. I'm really... It's it's what I do for an actual living, or what I'm trying to do for a living, uh, to to make make music that I really care about. So, if you got the time, go check it out. Um, hit us up soon. We want to hear from all of you about all the stuff that's going down. We'll be back next week. I think we're going to be doing a commissioned episode, as well as probably some news and some more of your feedback. We'll talk to you real soon. Peace. Until next time, true believers. Thank you.